two ways. <laughs> yeah. Technical ah. difficulties. <laughs> How you doing? Good, mate. Good. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, today we've got a very lucky guest here. Uh, we've got uh, Cam Candy from Sydney Zoo on. How you doing, Cam? I'm good, fellas. How are you? Good, mate. We very can hear you this time. I'm glad you don't sound like chipmunks this time. (laughs) (laughs) That'd have been an interesting podcast. (laughs) It was. (laughs) Oh, we always have an issue with that program, don't we, mate? Yeah, it seems to be. This one never seems to let us down for some reason, so which is good. (laughs) Oh, mate, what's been happening? Welcome back. It's uh, exciting to have you back on. You've got a few topics you want to chat about tonight, don't you? Yeah, I guess it's um, been about a year or so, hasn't it? Um, yeah, probably yeah. a bit over. Yeah. yeah, I think you were one of the first guests on, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I think it was in the top twenty or something like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, privilege and an honour. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we'll go that. Well, <laughs> it's just me, Luke. <laughs> um, no, you're right though. I do have things to talk about, and that it. It just kind of um, sorry for the late, the late notice, the late heads up. But uh, I, I just kind of thought, oh, it's Frog ID week, and be the perfect frog, time to frogs in the background going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I can frog hear ID it. Week. Mm. <laughs> what is that? Let me put my validator <laughs> headphones on, and mm, it's, uh, it's got to be. Uh, I, uh, I'm I'm kidding. What is it? Actually, you guys, <laughs> you already know what it is. We know. Um, we were out the other night, actually, um, on on survey, and uh, we're in a, I guess you could call it an integrate zone or a, an overlap zone between yep. nudie, nudie and phylacroa. Um, yep. Yeah, and they're effectively impossible to ID without the call. And uh, so we did have to do a quick brush up on the calls. Uh, yeah, yep, 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 yep. Uh, there is a – once you hear them calling um, – Side by side, really easy. Yeah. Um, but if you say if you heard them separately, um, yeah, they might throw you off. But yeah, the nudies have got, uh, well, Phyla Crow, your Phyla Crow is just a squeaker, and your nudie's got like a grunt or an oink yeah. in there. It's like an, <clears throat> as well as the squeak. That you can hear yeah. in the background here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So why you um, give the listeners a bit of rundown on the uh, frog ID app. We've spoken yeah, so, a couple of times, but <clears throat> I mean, I'm hoping all the listeners have frog ID. That's for starters. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, if you don't have it, you should definitely get it. Very easy to get off the off any app store. Um, just search frog ID, um, and it'll come up. Um, so yeah, basically started by the Australian Museum, the herpetology department. Um, my involvement has been for about uh, well since I moved back here from um, from the NT. So it's been about two years or so. Um, someone that I know that was on the team said, uh, "Yeah, you kind of know your frog, so you should um, email us and see if we need anyone." At the time, they did. So I was lucky and um, I'm one of the validators. So um, let's just assume that a lot of you have frog ID. Do you guys have it? You better. Yeah, of course. <laughs> just well, lie and say that you do for this, <laughs> for this, for this segment. 
So you'll um you'll be more or less familiar with you. Uh, you record the frog calling. Yep, that's it. Good proof. Proof of life. <laughs> I got a new badge um, the other day. <laughs> oh, good. Yep, the badges is a cool, cool little um dopamine like hit that. for like people that. to get them hooked. <laughs> Borrowing techniques from from poker machines. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, <laughs> So you record the frog and uh, a couple of things come up on your screen. You can, you can add some habitat, um, uh, the area, and then you can pick if um, you think you know the species or you want to take a guess or, or whatever. You can add a species or, or um, maybe you have a chorus and you have multiple species. You can add them all in. But the insider tip, if you don't have time, for that, um, just just skip all those bits. Go next, 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 next. All you ne- all we need is the recording. So that goes off into a database, and then the validators, people like me and half a dozen other people on the team, we log in remotely, so you can do it all from home. That was partly how I got into it. Was the whole COVID thing was although not that many people were recording frogs. Still, people were. You, you yeah. know, you're allowed to get out into your own um, local area and all that. So the, the calls were still coming in. We could just do it from home. So you log in and um, uh, you, you'll type in some filters. Like it might be New South Wales or whatever, Queensland. I only do New South Wales. Um, and you you just get pages and pages and pages of, of audio files, and you just set aside some time, you click on it, put your headphones on and you start listening and you try and figure out what it is. And, and that's, that's, so we're the ones that send you the email that says, thank you for your recording. Uh, it's really helpful for frog conservation, blah, blah, blah. Um, and, um, yeah, we collect that data and lots of cool stuff has come out of it. A couple of new species have been described or re-described. Yeah, um, it's been really helpful for for some of those things. I guess one of the um, perhaps one of the best known recent ones would be the Dentata group, the screaming tree frog. Mm-hmm. So the one that we get around here that used to be Latoria dentata is now Latoria quirritatus. Dentata is mm-hmm. up on the mid north coast, and then Balatus is north of that so yeah. one species became three based on calls and and a bit of geography as well um so that's frog id um i'm sure most of you are are pretty familiar with it but frog id week is basically an initiative that the, that the museums come up with to try and um boost numbers try and attract people to the app so jody's been on tv shows um i'll have to send you the link there was a really good um, bit of footage of her on one of the morning shows. I think it was, uh, it was sunrise or something like that. And she's holding the green tree frog and it jumps, jumps on, on a, her face, square on her face. <laughs> I saw that. <laughs> I had a laugh with that one. It was good. <laughs> she's the ultimate frog lady. Yeah, no, I did see that little snippet. That was good. Um, yeah. So if if I hadn't made it abundantly clear, it is currently Frog ID Week. It started on Sunday. It runs till Sunday, midnight. 
So one of the reasons I wanted to come on here was um, because it is currently Frog ID Week. Let's get all the herpers out there and record some frogs. Herpers, of course, are some of the most skilled observers out there. Um, yeah, there's probably lots of you are in New South Wales, but I'm sure there's many listeners from around the country that can contribute. New South Wales gets the most uh, number, most volume of calls. Um, mm. So, yeah, it'd be good to boost boost some numbers elsewhere in SA, Victoria, WA, everywhere. Um, yeah, Queensland and, and New South Wales. And, um, I mean, poor old Victoria doesn't have the, the range that we have, so... Uh, they can't contribute quite as much, but um, there's some cool stuff down there. So, um, yeah, get out there this weekend if you got the time. If you're going to be herping anyway, yeah, just yeah. pull the phone Makes, out of yeah. the pocket and might have to go out frogging this weekend, Luke. <laughs> oh, I will be, mate, but I won't be anywhere near Sydney. So, no, you'll be out, buddy. I'm going That's looking okay. for cruci- the crucifix frogs. That's <clears> okay. You can. Um, that that's that's uh, the, the main point is yeah. herpers are going to be out, you know, doing stuff. Like if you're going to be up up that northwest, central west, um, if you can get stuff like crucifix calling and um, platycephala and um, rough frog and um, uh, green striped frog, all those cool cycloranas um, mm. and noted in like that's really good data to have have those guys calling because the, the that that stuff doesn't come through that much it doesn't yeah. it doesn't come through in large numbers in large quantities <laughs> you obviously have to be there at the right time um yeah so there's a few uh um like repeat customers if you like that that live in some of these more remote areas regional areas that that contribute to frog id and it's extremely valuable data yeah um uh, but you know, uh, otherwise, uh, there's not huge populations out there compared to on the coast here, and, and that's why places like Sydney and New South Wales and Queensland more broadly have the largest volume of of data coming through with frog calls yeah. because half the time they're in our backyard. Um, exactly, it's still very valuable data, but um, you, you've just um, illustrated the point perfectly, Luke, by saying. You won't be in Sydney. You'll be out herping. So, mm. yeah, just take some recordings. If you um, and if anyone has any questions about it, feel free to send me a um, private message or whatever you like, and I can. If I can't answer it myself, I can ask the head honcho and um, get an answer for you. Because sometimes there are bugs that need to be fixed on the on the program, and um, a lady called Nadia is brilliant at fixing the that kind of technical it stuff so it is useful if you think something's not working on it properly um definitely let us know don't um don't feel like you it's broken and you can't use it let us know and might be some useful information that can help fix a a bug with with that being said like you know is is it just recordings that you use or do you use images and things like that as well for the the app you can send images in, but but they they don't contribute to the project. The project is yep. is solely audio recordings. Um, we we encourage photos um, because sometimes that can be um, just a 
a useful piece of information in the overall context when you've sent some recordings in and um, perhaps you've got a photo of a frog that you that is not in your recording. So sometimes it can be quite useful, especially for people that perhaps don't know what they're looking at. We can say your recording is of um, <clears throat> Limnodynasty's Salmini, um, but the photo you've sent in is an eastern water-holding frog. Yeah, okay. So the call is not from the frog that you've taken the picture yeah. of and, and vice versa. So, so yeah, it, very useful for that. Um, we just we obviously encourage the general public not to handle frogs to, you know, to take photos to send in for us because, no, we don't use it for the project. It's the calls that are the most valuable pieces of data because, as you can probably understand with some of the newly described species, it's calls that can identify yeah. the new species. Yeah. So that yeah. that dentata complex is a is a, a good example. Um, calls often um, help ID something um, alongside geography and um, DNA. Yeah, that makes sense. Oh, that's exciting though. I mean, it feels like only yesterday that Frog ID was Frog ID Week was around last year. Yeah, but. Mm. yeah, it does actually. Yeah, yeah. Um, trying to think what I was doing last year. I think I was. I think I might have gone to Narrabri myself actually. Um, yeah, I think I did actually in November. <laughs> Perfect timing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it is a good time. Good time to go. Um, it's a bit of a bummer at the moment um, for all these people out west and central and north. Yeah. And <laughs> so much, so much flooding happening. Um, yeah. yeah, it's been real tricky to get out there. Not that I've had the time, but um, it's. Uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it, but yeah, it's a bit tricky at the moment. Yeah, there's a few road closures and things that we've got to probably steer clear of. But yeah. yeah. Yeah, it seems pretty nasty in particular. I think <clears throat> Forbes today came up on the news to say that it was underwater. Yeah, well, I, I heard guess. the same thing, um, which is a, yeah, a big shame for all the people out there. Yeah, definitely. Um, and, um, yeah, somewhere that I was looking to head, but uh, I'm not going to, you know, don't want to clog the system up by being a herper out there, just getting in the way, so... Um, leave them to it for now and hopefully conditions clear up a bit. Um, I guess the good thing herping wise is this is going to set us up for probably a couple of years, these kinds of conditions. Yeah. Um, yeah. It may even be better in the, in the next couple of years. So, um, but it does seem from all reports that things are booming already. Well, you'd imagine your amphibians would be loving a lot of the rain. Am- amphibians, definitely. Um, but, yeah, snake populations, hopefully, and um, yep. over the next couple of years. So have you found with the app um, the effect that, that with the frog die-off? Like, have you noticed much with that, with the app? or? Uh, yeah, so... Um, so the work I do, to backtrack a bit, the work I do with, with Frog ID 
is, is again, is for the Australian Museum, for the herpetology department. Um, Frog ID is a project. Um, I'm just a, a casual that um, does a few hours a week if, if, I, if I can. I'm one of the I'm the smallest part of that of that machine, um, <clears throat> uh, but that has been running before there was the frog mortality event that's been yeah. happening over the last two years. So, following that, um, they got uh, a grant and some awesome funding to investigate the frog mortality event that was occurring and still potentially occurring right now. Um, primarily on the east coast, um, so it does tie into frog ID a little bit. If people had a dead frog or something, um, and they've sent a recording in, sometimes they'd send a photo in, and so yeah, you can do it that way, and we'd still use that information. Um, but you don't have to do it that way. You can just contact the museum however you want to. Um, <clears throat> so when the that uh, sort of funding came through for that project. I got to do more work by um, going out in the field and helping um, in the field. So that's been really cool for me to be able to do field work and um, uh, assist with that um, with a bit of – because, again, it's helpful with herpers because we're out there and we see stuff. Um, So we can chase up leads. Um, and there was a, a, a situation where we went to look somewhere that we'd had a tip off about um, from a member of the public that said there's this pond when, you know, they, the suggestion was that there may have been a, a, a die off event occurring there. And I was um, not far away. So I agreed to come and help and see what was happening. Uh, we found the pond was pristine in beautiful condition. So we weren't sure what had happened there. That been some sort of misunderstanding, perhaps. Yeah. Um, but because I knew the area, I said, "Oh, why don't we go check this other pond out that I that I know of that has been in really good nick the last time I went there, but it was a while ago." Um, and we ended up going there, and um, it was a die-off event, and we we were able to collect sa- lots of samples from there, and um, chytrid was found in that. Um, in that area on those, um, individual frogs. Um, and that's just been repeated over and over throughout, um, the East coast. Um, so another thing that people can do if they are so inclined, if you do get a dead frog, um, probably not so much when you're out in the bush, not sure how legal that is, but if it's in your backyard, or your place of work or, you know, something like that out on the street and you find a dead frog, um, you can actually bag it up and chuck it in the freezer and get the museum to collect it. Yeah. Just contact contact them and, and let them know um, because you can still test, um, still swab the frog um, and figure out what's going on because there is some idea floating around that, that I think everyone is aware now that chytrid is involved, um, but it's likely not the only thing that's yeah. involved. But uh, how do you figure that out? You've got to collect the data. Exactly. 
I suppose at the end of the day with more specimens and stuff like that coming through, then that makes it a little bit more likely that you're going to, you know, up your chances of finding whatever is causing all of this sort of gear. Yeah, that's right. And and I'm not a, an, an ecologist or a scientist, um, which is why I've been really um, grateful to be involved um, as a research assistant in the field. Um, but any of the scientists would say that, yeah, data collection is, is what's going to um, figure it out. So the more data, the better. The more information you have, the more informed decision you can make. Um, so that's what's what that project is about. So I've been um, sometimes not not super far afield, um, but uh, outside of Sydney to basically follow up leads, um, follow up reports of dead frogs. Um, yeah, we we go to the area. And we, we conduct a survey and we collect we collect frogs, uh, we swab them um, using a method that identifies um, chytrid, um, but potentially it will pick up the other possibilities that may or may not be um, involved. So, uh, yeah, been good experience for me, um, being knee-deep in freezing creeks, picking up frogs and wiping them with, Q-tips and collecting data, but um, no, uh, you know, obviously herpers love that stuff. So, um, and hopefully for a good cause. Exactly. Definitely, definitely for a good cause. You know, it's all about you know trying to help out, and if you can kind of enlist the general public to, you know, collect data for you, then that's almost like the ultimate data collecting machine. Yeah, it's been one of the most successful citizen science projects around. it's been incredibly useful um, and has been uh, – people have looked to this project as uh, how can we use this to do other stuff, basically. Um, so so what a cool thing to um, to be involved with and and, um, and herpes, herpes can do it. Um, Anyone can really do. That's a good thing uh, about it. <clears throat> yeah, um, and the other thing that happened with um, with Frog ID in particular was after the bushfires. Um, yes. We were trying to get people to record in fire-affected areas. So, yeah, once again, if you're, if you're herping spots or your local area, if you know that it's burnt, uh, it'd be great if you can go down there and try and record frogs and see what's happening there. Mm. Really useful information. Um, there is a function on the um, on the app where you can make a note. So you can just put a note in there and say this area is still black or this area was burnt one year ago, two years ago. Um, the project was sort of particularly looking at the 2019-20, um, the, the black summer um, yeah. bushfires. Um, so, yeah, really been quite reassuring signs of of recovery um looking at that that's good that's um, positive yeah so we're, we're trying to reach the one million frog records milestone which um not that far off yeah right wow. is that is that recordings one million recordings yeah yep. yeah yeah well, hopefully you crack it this weekend eh? Uh, it's quite possible um yeah, quite possible. That's crazy. Um, 
Yeah. Yeah, it's fun. It's fun. It's easy. You'll learn more about frogs. Like being a frog ID validator has been really um, fun and informative for me, um, thinking that I knew frog calls pretty well, certainly in my area, and then realizing actually it's quite hard to uh, separate them out when you've got three, four, five, six, maybe more species calling all at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. and uh, yeah, you, you, like I said, bef- like I touched on before, I'm I'm one of the I'm the smallest part of that team. But yeah, man, the the guys that do it for six hours a day, oh, they're like machines. There's um one bloke on the team that's retired and it, oh, absolute machine. Just pops his headphones <laughs> on and <laughs> just goes for it. <laughs> But um, that's why I've kind of been putting my hand up for the field work because I find that uh, personally, I find that easier. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, definitely suits people. You can to do frog ID. You can sit at home and just yeah get it done. With this app as well, have you kind of discovered that there's like you know new populations of frogs popping up in certain locations and things as well? Yeah, absolutely. It's yeah that that's really its primary function is to get an understanding of populations. Yeah, yeah. Are they are they growing? Are they decreasing? Hang on a minute. This is a species that's not been heard from here for X amount of time. Um. So yeah, like I was touching on before, is it as part of? It's it's always part of a bigger picture using mm-hmm. the calls to ID something. Yeah. And that's why that's why it has resulted in in um, uh, either some redescriptions or, or new species. It works alongside the genetics and the geography. Yeah. Um, so what it's about always translocation. Is that something that's obviously you'd pick up a, yeah. a little yeah, bit? Yeah, it does. It does. Uh, yeah, there are weird populations of things that aren't supposed to be there. Yeah. Um, I'm pro- I, I probably can't say (laughs) but um uh yeah there are some things that are found further south than they should be um uh just as an example um that are probably pets that have been um tadpoles have been sent out into the world um maybe even accidentally who knows but um yeah there's some odd ones that turn up um, one that people probably know about is um, there's dainty tree frogs are around Sydney. Um, that's a fairly well-known one. Yeah. Just because of the banana box thing. And, yeah. Um, and But they have established um, enough that people send recordings in. So That doesn't surprise me at all. I know where yeah. there's a massive location of those and... I've seen them in almost like plague proportions where there must have been <laughs> hundreds and hundreds of them. Yeah, yeah to right. Point where it's awesome. completely deafening. And I was like, hang They're on, quite... this shouldn't be here. Uh, yeah, they do have a, an interesting call, eh? <laughs> it's yeah. like a, a drone. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, it's a bit of a fun one to listen to in the with the headphones. <laughs> <laughs> and even, even with, when um, it's in person, it's <laughs> deafening. Yeah, same with Chloris. That's another funny one to listen to. 
Yeah. Um, the worst is obviously Screaming Tree Frog, though. <laughs> to be honest, I don't think I've heard that. I might have to check it out. That's the other good thing about the app. <laughs> you can actually hear Excuse the sounds me. that the frogs make. Yeah. Yeah, it is very useful. Um, yeah. <clears throat> it's a bit like um, a lot of birdos use um, hearing. Um, some use it more than sight, which sounds a bit counterintuitive. But if you know the call, you're, you're sweet. You'll be able yeah. to ID stuff much easier. Yeah. Um, same with frogs. Mm-hmm. Uh, Have any other countries tried to incorporate like a similar app for their frog species at all? Um, that or? <clears throat> that's a good question. I, I did hear that there was something similar in the US. Um, I think it might have been just a particular university that was um, that was doing it. I'm trying to think what I heard it from, what I heard it on. It might have... Um, one of the US podcasts, um, yeah. maybe Colubrid and Colubroid, that one, I think they were talking about there was one in the southern US that was doing the same sort of thing. Yeah. It's such a good um, idea for citizen science though. Yeah. Been, um, yeah. It's been so successful. Great for community groups um, to get involved with, uh, like, like the, um, the badge thing. It's been useful. Um, recruiting more more people. Um, yeah. Um, some things have been sort of realised that perhaps were um, not known from certain areas. Um, a lot of those Philorias calls have really helped with that, the, those weird mountain frogs. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I never used to be into frogs before I started herping hay. I was always very much focused on reptiles, but ever since getting into herping and seeing all these weird little wonderful frog species that were in my area, they just absolutely pulled on the heartstrings, I reckon. Yeah, I do like yeah. frogs. Yeah, they're, they're such a good thing for um, – they're like a gateway – animal <laughs> to yeah. get into wildlife. And some people are absolutely petrified of them. Like, cause my aunties, they live up at um, Grafton and she's oh, yeah. huge green tree frogs up there. And like, frog hotspot. Yeah. My mum and her were just terrified of them. And me being me would like try and chase her around with them. But <laughs> that's probably why I was never allowed reptiles in the house till I was older. But <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, guess I'll um, finish that section by saying, herpers, if you're listening, get out there and make some recordings. Try to go to some, some cool spots. See if, see if you can challenge yourself. See how many species you can get. See if you can get a chorus. Choruses are always fun for the validators to try and. <laughs> separate out all the species if you're really good you can tick all the species you think are calling <laughs> see if you get it right um but yeah if oh and the other thing is if you don't have reception you can still take the recording and then just upload it when you have have reception it'll hold the recording oh, yeah really? that's pretty handy 
That's good to know. Yeah. Well, that's, I was considering that for this weekend. I was like, oh. Yeah. It's, it's very handy. But yeah, obviously, we're, we're often out of reception when we're out there. So, um, yep, no worries about that. I took a couple. Um, last time I was talking to Jody, she asked me if any frogs were calling in the Kimberley, and I was like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And she's like, you recorded them, didn't you? And I was like, oh. Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, I did, yes. <laughs> With my <laughs> no, camera. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, no, luckily I did. I did make a few recordings right at the start of the trip, actually. Um, and then I kind of forgot about it, to be honest. <laughs> but um, no, no, to be fair, there was not that much calling. It was actually off the plateau that things were calling. Um, so I did record them. I did my duty. And um, I actually recorded something that I didn't see because I've sent it in. Um, I forgot about it. And then a month or so later, I was like, oh, shit, I've got to send that recording in because I've got reception, obviously, now. Um, and I got Crinia Bilinga and um, I was like, damn it, <laughs> I didn't even look for it. <laughs> <laughs> There's something you always yeah. haven't seen. So. Crinia Bilinga, bilingual froglet is the common name. Yeah, Didn't even know I was, I knew it was something that I hadn't heard before, um, but I just figured I'd probably photograph it. So that was a bit of a fail on my part. <laughs> I have to go back up there now. Well, that's a good good gateway into <laughs> another topic. <laughs> yeah, uh, sure. No issue. No issue going back there. Eh? It's um, yeah. It's the best. Um, so well, yeah. That um, <clears throat> that was that was the first night. Yeah. Yeah, that was probably the first. That was the first night, and was the only night that I recall um, hearing frogs calling. So yeah, um, yeah, lucky I didn't get in the bad books with um, with that part of my <laughs> <laughs> job. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, so, so who'd you end up heading up to the Kimberley with? Yeah, what a great trip! Um, it was Josh and Greeny, um, which many. Listen, many listeners are probably familiar with those two. Um, they've been out and about for uh, quite a few months now. Living the dream. Um, <laughs> yep, yep. You could say that. Um, we we've sort of you know 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 each other through the through the traps. Um, yeah. And just good fortune um, meant that there was a seat in a vehicle. Uh, out there so i was just lucky able to get the time off at the right time because they had set time that they had to go based on their based on their work schedule um yeah just worked out um uh how long uh, we were so we're there for not that long actually uh eight nights yeah and um you know not every night was was in the middle of the Kimberley. So, um, yeah, and it's not, uh, I guess that's one of the big factors about herping the Kimberley or just visiting is, um, it's very remote and, uh, it's not cheap. So mm. getting there 
affording the time and getting there are all big factors. Um, for all three of us, it was actually our second visit. So I'd, I'd visited the Kimberley in 2018, um, but that was when I was still living in Alice Springs and I had my own vehicle and I drove from Alice up up north, up the, up the Stewart Highway and then travelled west along the Kib River Road and headed up the Mitchell Plateau for a night or two. I was just by myself. I was away for about two weeks. Um, uh, but that trip was more I was just um, something I liked to do um, whenever I got the chance when I was living in the NT was just kind of drive and, mm. you know, look on, on a map and or just look at signs and go, I wonder where this goes. And so I did that through the Kimberley and um, didn't really target anything super hard, just saw lots of cool stuff, um, just checked out lots of cool places and two weeks flew by. Um, got to the western end, end of the Kimberley to Broome and then drove back through the Tatamai. Um, but, yeah, it was kind of a shotgun trip, so obviously didn't see quite a few key elements that live in the Kimberley. So yeah. when this um, opportunity came up, it was hard to pass up. Couldn't pass up. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, yeah, and Josh and Greeny were very much in the same boat having uh, visited before um, and – I won't go into it too much because you, you should get them on to chat um, or someone should. And um, uh, they missed out on a number of things that were, you know, kind of out of their control. So, yeah, yeah we were all really stoked to get back up there. Um, and, it, yeah, it was just a – it was a way to get there that wasn't going to take me, you know, three weeks because if – Obviously, if you drive from Sydney, that's a that's a big trip, yeah. um, which would be awesome. But I don't have the time to take three weeks off because you know it, it'd be close to a week there and a week back, definitely before you've done anything. Yeah. So, um, if yeah, you have I'll the time, a week in there. <clears throat> Yeah. yeah, that's exactly right. It, um, when I visited there the first time, uh, I was, uh, you know, on a very short time frame and um, just just didn't have enough time to stay there. I should have probably just driven <laughs> from Alice straight to the Mitchell Plateau and just stayed there for the yeah for a week. But um, you know, this time it turned out well and we had a solid four nights up there and um yeah we didn't leave we didn't leave much behind um (laughs) (laughs) we put it all out there for that time um hard work in trying conditions was i mean it would be closed by now but um but super hot probably hotter than I was expecting for, for mid-September, but that was probably wishful thinking. And it would be pretty humid up there too, wouldn't it, up that way? Yeah, it was humid, um, but 
but no storms. We didn't get any yeah. storms, which was kind of a bummer. Um, I guess that's one of the only things we we missed that you would have liked. Um, you would have liked to have that that condition, the some showers, but um, yeah, you can't plan. Well, we can't. I know some people will plan everything down to the lunar cycle, but sometimes, <laughs> sometimes you just got to go when you got the time. Yeah, um, yeah. We figured it would be, you know, pretty good. Did you all have warm, the same target species out there? Um, I think so. Yeah, there were there were a couple of things that I'd seen. Um, same with the other boys that I'd seen previously, like. Um, Glebos and Kimbos and, um, yeah, they were probably the main things that I had already seen. Mm. Um, but, yeah, the, the key targets like Felicipoda and obviously Ruffy, um, Superb Dragon, um, Kimberly Beardy, um, Kimberly Death Adder, but you can get them off the plateau. Um, yeah. Yeah, there was sort of those, um, yeah, Pygmy Mulga. Again, you can sort of get them off the plateau as well. There was those key species. Um, Felicipoda for me was, yeah, right up there. Kind of maybe level with um, with Ruffy. Yeah, okay. Just because I've, I'd never even seen um, Felicipoda in, uh, in a collection or anything. Yeah never seen it in in real life um and they were yeah just uh yeah spectacular to see in real life so weird looking yeah they're absolutely beautiful they're probably my favorite lots of mm. so. and massive as well yeah yeah super big like such a weird looking gecko hey so strange um yeah, you look at them and you can see the the Oijura in them. Yep. Uh, but then everything is slightly off, <laughs> like compared to the rest. Yeah. 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 The proportions are like so big and stretched and kind of exaggerated. And then you've got these crazy digits with the yeah fringed um, bits of flesh coming off them. It's bizarre. Did you find any Western giant cave geckos out there? Or? Yeah, we did. Um, yeah. The yeah, they were. Yeah, yeah, they were awesome too. Yeah, um, I'd love to see them. Uh, Josh spotted the first one. Uh, we had been looking, and we were having no luck. Yeah. Um, I think we. I mean, you know, it's kind of hard when you you've got. Uh, we had I don't know five to ten kind of must see things and it, it's obviously difficult when you you're out and you you find something you want to take photos of that and then you you're like oh man i can't can't spend too much time on this because i'm wasting time I'm that i could be else. could be looking for something else but yeah you know, because of such an amazing place um doesn't happen for everything you definitely have to work for it still but but sometimes you do especially when you've got a couple of people, you do kind of bounce around and go, well, got something here. And yeah. Um, so we're able to uh, kind of 
acquire targets fairly quickly, certainly quicker than if you were by yourself. Yeah. Um, with yeah, seasoned pairs of eyes and everyone very motivated. So, um, yeah, yeah, the cave geckos were funny. Like, I, I we kept seeing um, um, Gahira Xenopus, crocodile faced yeah. Gahira, and um, they're quite big and they love caves. So, <laughs> you'd, mistaken that. You'd, yeah, you'd eye shine them from quite a distance and you'd be like that's a big gecko and get up there and and superficially they look similar ish they're sort of um the cave geckos are banded whereas the the gohiras are spotted but from a distance you can see something is going on there with pattern and yeah get closer and closer like it's another (laughs) (laughs) gohira but um, yeah, Josh ended up spotting the, the first cave gecko we found in a tree. Um, I think it was on a vine or something, <laughs> something like that. Yeah, which is just classic. Um, yeah, not what you not, think not, it not, Yeah, not that they can't be in trees. Like, certainly exactly, they are. yeah. Um, but, you know, you but, think cave gecko that you'd be looking for them in the caves. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then I think it was maybe the next night. Um, we found the same gecko because uh, wow. we rec- recognised the pattern on the tail. Found the same gecko this time, just like up up in some rocks. Um, and then either that night or the next, I found another one, a, a different one in a cave, doing yep. a doing cave gecko things <laughs> <laughs> with a. Uh, not with a regen tail, so oh, that's good. That, yeah, that was nice. <clears throat> that's the thing with geckos; like you find some, you find your snakes on that, you know, and they're full bodied. But you find a gecko, and you you want to try and get it with without a regen tail. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. The um, the photos are sort of. The, the main photos I got of the cave gecko was was a regen tail one, but yeah. you don't really notice it that much with with that one. Um, yeah, and the other one, um, I'm I'm a sucker for just leaving things and taking in situ photos and just um, kind of enjoying what's happening. Sometimes I don't like to ruin it for myself. Um, I don't always do that. <laughs> don't get me wrong, but but the um yeah the second cave gecko yeah so cool just watching it cruise around in a cave yeah <laughs> they're pretty fast aren't they yeah oh man and agile this one running the first one it was running along the the escarpment and it's like looked like a camel because it's like its feet were too big for its <laughs> too big for its body and it was like like cartoon sort of Going like legs this, were going but, up and but, around. but with all four legs and the the pads were sort of sticking, and it's like, yeah, <laughs> it's so weird. <laughs> I was looking at it, going, "What the hell is that?" <laughs> and it's just like stuck. They always the look rock. like flippers or something, don't they? When they're running, yeah, yeah, yeah. It looks like yeah, they're trying good. to lift up their feet heaps. That's a good way to to describe it. Yeah, it's like someone, like a person walking around on land with flippers yep. heading over to the water. I look completely out of it. 
And so, some animals just look like really awkward doing things like that. Like I've, I think I've often mentioned just like how gillens look absolutely useless on the ground, but you put them in a tree mm. and they're a weapon. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, it was, it was, um, it was quite a gecko heavy trip, really. Sounds um, like my type of trip. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For, forget, um, forget North Queensland. You've got to go to, the Mitchell yeah, that's, Plateau. Yeah, that's one place I'd love to go. That that would be right. after North Queensland. That'd be my next next want to place that I want to go to. So. Yeah, I mean it's uh, it's not the easiest place to get to, so no. it's fair enough. Um, I've got some family that live up there. Oh yeah, so take advantage of that. Just ask yeah. to borrow their ask to borrow their car. Yeah. <laughs> so stop in. Can I, can I take it along the Gib River Road? <clears throat> Probably get told no. <laughs> up, up the Mitchell Plateau. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's one place I definitely want to go to. <clears throat> <clears throat> Unless you're prepared to write the car off and buy them a new car, it's probably not a good idea. Yeah, yeah it's a pretty rough <laughs> road. Actually, in saying that, um, both me and the other guys, our first visits, uh, the road and other people I've spoken to that have been up there, um, the road is among the worst in Australia. Just yeah, um, soul destroying driving along there for hours and hours. It's pretty notorious um, that road. Yeah, notorious for riding cars off and yeah, um, being soul destroying. Yeah, but um. I think the other guys would agree. To be honest, it was actually pretty good. It, it must have been recently graded. Um, I, it was a smooth ride, really. Yeah, right. Uh, right. Certainly wouldn't certainly wouldn't let that put you off. Um, but you never know. It, you you might definitely want get, a capable vehicle to take on that road. You definitely do. Um, yeah, and the the boys there, um, their troopies extremely capable and uh didn't miss a beat not surprisingly yeah <clears throat> but um yeah can be a difficult a difficult journey up there that's true um yeah i, I would actually say we probably saw a greater diversity of geckos than anything else that's cool mm. What sort of like um, temperatures and stuff are you experiencing during the night times when you're out? Um, night times weren't crazy hot. Um, obviously, a bit of heat hangs around because on the plateau, it's yeah, it's just rock everywhere. Um, yeah, I guess a little bit like Sydney sandstone, but um, prop, but not as heavily forested. Um, kind of off the plateau. Like you've got creek lines, obviously, that have got pandanus in them and stuff like that. Um, and then around the the waterfalls and stuff like that, you've got this sort of um, monsoon forest, vine thicket, wet stuff um, with some bigger trees in there. But then the rest is savanna. And um, so quite dry, um, you know, not massive trees, fairly sparse. Yeah. Whereas Sydney sandstone, obviously, you've got a bit more diversity you got bits of rainforest bits of wet sclerophyll with huge trees 
more cover um, mm. and in general not as hot, obviously. So, yeah, the, the, the sun would definitely bake the rock and it would hang around for a couple of hours. But overall, nighttime temps weren't crazy, still like low 20s. Okay. Um, but the, uh, yeah, the days were, were getting very hot. Uh, yeah. And because you don't want to waste a minute, you're, <laughs> you're trud- trudging up and down the escarpment from camp out to wherever you we're trying to look again and um, or scope out, you know, another um, corner that we haven't looked in because um, obviously, well, maybe not obviously, I don't know if we've really talked about it, but uh, but finding the <coughs> excuse me, finding the rough scale python was not easy. Yeah, um, I, I know. Certainly, it can be easy that you can just kind of come across them, but um, no, that that wasn't easy. And um, I, mean, I mean, I was like pretty exhausted by four nights, yeah, of, um, searching and cruising around all day like um and for some stuff it didn't it didn't help us like i I wanted to get really good looks at um gimbley rock monitors and we were just getting up i mean this this is just my guess i think we were just getting up too late yeah and um i mean not super late but late enough that we'd get out there and they were just like pinging off yeah yeah we weren't really catching them basking um, yeah, they were just, yeah, super heated by that stage. You know, you can still get them out in high temperatures and it just wasn't happening for us. Um, you probably got better chances when it's not quite as hot. Um, weirdly, or maybe it's not weird, but, but just the way it worked out, we had one morning where we saw like four Gleba Palmer. Wow. Um, wow. We, we were just spotting them. Um, we'd sort of got our, I guess, got our eye in for them because we were all just spotting like one after the other. We'd just be walking along, go, oh, there's one up on that rock, like from quite quite far distances, and there's another one up there. But we weren't really getting the same thing with Kimberley rock monitors for whatever yeah. reason. Um, the Glebos were all just staying out whenever we saw them, that they were – Maybe they were relying on camouflage. Um, maybe just different behaviours. Yeah, they're certainly a cryptic sort of varanid by the looks. Um, Kimberly were rock they- monitors were just scooting under rocks like super quick. Yeah. Okay. Were, were the glebos that you were saying, were they some pretty decent-sized glebos or were they kind of smaller individuals? Or I'm just um, thinking if they were a bit bigger, maybe if they were a bit more brazen. Um, I would say one was an adult. I think I'm, the picture I shared of one, the one I shared a picture of would have been an adult. I think the rest were sub-adults. Mm-hmm. Um, apart from, I think Mark found one juvie, um, in a crevice, but yeah, not adults. Yeah, Certainly okay. not. Um, yeah, okay. but then the time that I saw one years before that, in the same area, <laughs> um, it was it was actually 
literally on dusk, so twilight. Mm. Um, uh, the sun was sort of had dropped below the horizon, but was still lighting the um, lighting the earth, if you like. Yep. So you could still walk around without a torch, and I just I nearly walked straight past one. It was just walking around on escarpment, like completely out in the open. Stopped, was looking at me, and I was like, "What the hell?" But I'd never seen one before. Before that, and um, it was the size of a Mertens. So, wow! Oh wow! Is that a is that a Mertens or what is that? And because it was kind of dark, I wasn't didn't click straight away what it was. Um, obviously thinking back, it would have been quite weird behavior for a Mertens, but, um, I guess the other difference at that time, there was heaps more water because the time I went previously was, um, right after the wet season, like May. Yeah. So heaps more water than, than what there was this time around. So Mertens would have been up there in that spot. Yeah, but, um, yeah, it's like a, yeah, like some of the um, places in Central Australia, just like a wonderland. Yeah. yeah. Do you know if it had, had, like, a little bit of rain before you'd gotten up there this time around? Um, there was plenty of water around, but it, but it was quickly, it was quickly disappearing. Yeah. Um, yeah. I could tell because I had photos from the four years prior, I could look at the same like waterholes and waterfalls that weren't waterfalls this time. Yeah. Yeah. I, I had slow exposure photos of water cascading down waterfalls and this time around that they, they were nearly dry or um that yeah, just sort of drying pools where last time you could you could have jumped in there and had a shower. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. Yeah, that was one. Um, we saw um, for snakes. We saw quite a few greater black whip snakes, which we weren't really expecting. Not really something we were thinking of um, for a Mitchell Plateau Kimberley trip. But we ended up seeing, I think, three greater black whip snakes, and one was in one of those drying pools. And we ended up moving it because we'd seen it a couple of times, and um, yeah, it it appeared as though it, it had actually tired itself out enough that it was probably not able to get out of there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, but that was cool to see. They're a cool species to see up close. They're, um, they're quite big. Hence the name. Yeah. I think, I think we got one of those in the NT if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Good looking animal. Yeah. 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 Very cool. Cool. Big. Um, with like, yeah. Um, yeah, super quick. I reckon the most most numerous snake we saw would have been children's pythons, <laughs> which um, more than once when you you know like looking shot in the rocks and where where you think a ruffie is <clears throat> perfect spot for a ruffie to be sitting like there's a snake there. Ah. Now the children's. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Teresa seem to be bane of people's existence when they're looking for rare pythons, don't they? 
I nearly stepped on two and we were like just, you know, bush bashing and looking anywhere you could think of and you'd go, oh, shit, nearly stepped on another children's python. <laughs> um, Poor children's yeah, pythons, they get so unloved. I, I took plenty of photos of them. They're still cool. I, I took photos of them in um, in ambush and stuff like that. that oh, it's still yeah. awesome. It's just That's cool. It's just um, you want to see what you don't normally see. It's, um, yeah. yeah. That's how it is. That's human nature. Um, we got, um, got psyched a couple of times by olives, you know, like medium-sized olives. Looks like possibly going to be a roughy-sized snake just based on size. <laughs> Get a bit closer. Another olive python. <laughs> saw quite a few of them. There, most, um, I think, all except one. We we probably saw half a dozen. I think all except one were quite orangey red in color. Oh, nice. Really, really nice olives there. Yeah. yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, good looking snakes. I like how Jason's trying to be quiet with his frog. <laughs> it's going mental. But it's Frog ID Week. Let him go. I know. Yeah. Make yeah. a recording. Him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that that does happen sometimes. Oh, I thought it would. <laughs> uh, you can imagine if someone has in their their shed or something some. Uh, white lip tree frogs or something quite noisy, someone might record that. Mm. Yeah, for the next one over or something. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty that's cool, right. though, that those olives have a bit of an orangey-red hue to them. Yeah. You don't yeah. see a lot of uh, variants in olives generally. Um, let me see if I can... That's one of the non... Orangey ones. Um, yeah, they were just like really clean, and except one of them was pretty battle scarred. Um, was it a larger individual, or was it? Yeah, small? yeah. I'll see if I can um, find some photos. I've just been so slack trying to get photos up there. Um, my computer is just, it just has way too many files on it. <laughs> that sounds like my phone. I need to delete pictures to take more pictures. Yeah. <laughs> the choice of having kids. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so yeah that's right. Um, yeah, I enjoyed seeing all the olives. Oh, we can. They're a cool. They're a cool snake. I was stoked yeah. to finally tick those off the list in the NT. Oh, you yeah, got to, see, got to see some babies as well as some adults as well, which was good. Yeah, we saw them doing all sorts of different things. They were um, 
yeah, got a few like in uh, in ambush, chasing um, monjons, the little macropods that live up on the Mitchell Plateau. Yeah, um, that happened a few times where we thought we may have disturbed or come across them in the middle of trying to track one down. That would have been cool. Imagine actually seeing that actually happen in in real time too. A good yeah, good catch. Yeah, there was definitely one that I came across and I thought uh, I could, um, I saw the Mon, I heard the Monjon before I saw the olive and I was like, oh, there's a Monjon and then looked and there was this like quite big olive python right near it, just <laughs> heading straight for it. But the, um, the Monjons must, yeah, the olives just must use pure stealth, get within within range and launch. That's crazy. Did it look like it was like sitting on a game trail or anything like that, or is it just like where it was? It was pretty open. Um, this one was off, like a you know, obviously the trails there are not uh, super well marked, but um, it was sort of off a trail in amongst spin effects. A lot of the we saw olives in in lots of the time in. Um, escarpment spin effects sort of country, um, mm-hmm. but we also saw them in the woodland, in the woodland yeah. stuff. Um, I'll see if it'll let me chuck that in the. Can you go in there? Can you throw photos in the comments? Don't think so. Yeah, I'm not yeah. sure. We haven't really played around with this too oh, much actually, on that sort of, sort of things. I'll um, I'll send it here. Yeah, Kimberley's definitely one of those places that I'd absolutely love to get. Oh yeah, like I said, it's like a, it's like a um, wonderland. Um, you could just keep going back there. You're probably going to see something different every time. Oh, that's a cool shot. I think that might have been the first olive we saw. And then we ended up probably seeing another half a dozen. That's cool. He's just kind of like sitting on the rock, just essentially waiting with his head kind of coming out of that dried spinning. Yeah. All grasses and that. That's cool. Cool dudes. Um, we found an, another one that was just completely disguised in leaf litter with just its head poking out. Oh, mad. That's cool. See, that's like, that's a behavior that I wouldn't associate with them naturally. Yeah, that's right. Being in the leaf litter? Well, just like being covered by it like that. Like, it, mm. like it's in a full ambush, you know? yeah. Yeah, it's not clear whether whether it was in ambush or if it was just had been a hiding in there and was coming out. Yeah. Um, I'll send it. To, it was it was a juvie. Um, that's probably probably part of it hiding in there because it's still um, small enough that it gets snaffled by a bigger python. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, but yeah, bulk olives and children's up there. Absolutely no <laughs> shortage of them. Um, we were all pretty stoked to get that um, Western Pygmy Mulga. I bet. Um, that was a really spectacular little snake. They, they are a, a cool little mulga. Yeah. So um, just so uh, sort of boldly patterned and everything. Yeah. That but olive yeah, looks that, like it's completely disappeared under these that leaf. It does, hey. I don't know how you yeah. spotted it. <laughs> yeah. It's just its head poking out. It was a metre or so off the trail. <laughs> That's unreal. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty funny, eh? <laughs> yeah. We'd seen numerous olives by that stage, and I was still taking photos of them. That's the. I think that's the beauty of taking in situ photos and and um, and videos is you can. Um, it's different every time. It's a new. Yeah. Yeah, it's a new new experience that you can that you can record with a little there's always some sort of story attached to it um yeah i, I kind of like getting a uh, like a record shot a field guide shot yeah. um and then kind of after that it's all about in situ it's, it's just so satisfying yeah seeing seeing things do what what they would be doing without you there yeah, it's definitely like a next level type thing. I feel like it's kind of like you almost grow a little bit as a herper and go. Actually, I really just enjoy seeing this this way. Actually, watching it, you know, like for a long time, I've yeah. been very much, you know, like to get hands on or something if I can. And yeah. now I'm kind of stepping away from that, going, uh, I can. I'm happy just sitting back watching this. Mm. Yeah, and I get that. It's um, I still. You know, some things it doesn't work with and um, some things it does. I guess um, purely for my own enjoyment, I like to, because it's field craft, really, being able to get close to something without spooking it. Um, yeah. yeah. And sometimes it doesn't work and that's okay. It just doesn't work sometimes. Or sometimes it's impossible or it's not safe. Um whatever, all sorts of reasons. But I think if you look for in, if you look for in situ, you'll find it somehow. Maybe not this time, maybe not the next time. Eventually you'll find it and you'll get something if that's what you're into. Yeah. um, Yeah. And there'll never be another shot, another sort of thing quite like that. Yeah, it's kind of like that one-off. It's not that pose stage kind of yeah kind of shot. But, yeah, don't get me wrong. I, I love field guide shots, and I I still take them. Um, I just like both. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, that's, so, that's what, what other critters did you come by up that way? Um. We actually, even though I'm, 
a little bit of a birdo. We, we didn't do much with birds, actually. It was just purely just not getting up early and yeah. um, just getting so hot so quick. Um, we didn't do a whole lot with with birds. Um, Mark and I got glimpses of, of black grass wren, which is an endemic species up on the Mitchell Plateau. Um, so that was cool, but um, I think Mark got an award-winning shot of that. Not really. It's just a like a black <laughs> blur with some grass in front of it. But, um, <laughs> we saw some cool mammals though. Um, the monjons are cool, and we got one of the one of the possums. There's scaly-tailed possum and rock ringtail, mm. I think. Um, yeah, two sort of possum species up there and we just sort of saw one. Well, I think it was only, not sure if the other guys were behind me, but just saw one like back in a cave and sort of got eyes on it and it turned around and just walked off (laughs) into this cave (laughs) that just went back like, you know, 20 meters or more, but not, not big enough for a person to follow. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you could see the sort of scaly tail. So I think that might have been it. Didn't end up really being able to ID it. Um, yeah, some cool geckos, the caveys, the Lysipoda gracilis, the um, gracile or graceful velvet gecko. Oh, they cool. were super cool. Yeah. Um, juvenile for Lysipoda. It's always cool to find. Juvenile oedurus. Oh yeah, so so different. Um, yeah, I just can't believe how big their tails are. <laughs> yeah, I want to see a different couple of Jamata now because I kind of go to Jamata that's like the in between transition stage where it wasn't quite juvenile, yeah. it wasn't quite adult. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Oh, that's it, and like you just want to. The more you go out, the more you want to see. That's what happens. Yeah. Now I, I'm still with um, local herping. I'm still <clears throat> obsessing over trying to find eastern browns in the mountains, <laughs> and it's it's quite difficult. They're um, they're thick on the ground in um, western Sydney. I got another one yesterday. Um, but in the mountains, I can't find one for love or money. Yeah, right. Um, but that's why, you know, does it matter? How many Eastern Browns do you need to see? Mm. It's just that want to find someone, one somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah. But it does matter. It matters to me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's all that matters really, isn't it? Yeah. It's like, uh, I threw out, um, a while back, does it count as a tick if you find something on a job, like a snake call out or on a, you know, um, uh, like on the mining jobs or whatever? And everyone yeah. was saying, no, it doesn't, no, it doesn't. And some of you, oh, yes, it does if you spot it and blah, blah. And, um, it, I, it, you know, it was just kind of a G up because you can do whatever the hell you want. You can make yeah, up exactly. your own rules. Exactly. Yeah. As long as it counts for you. I personally don't count it, but if you want to count it, that's fine. 
Uh, like uh, I get snakes at work a lot, um, red bellies and browns. And um, you can really tell when the season changes because you get red bellies all year, but you only get browns when it's warm enough. Yeah. So the, the browns have only been moving the last few weeks at work. Um, found a couple, unfortunately, been um, car struck nearby um, and have moved a couple from inside the, the zoo. Um, but one I got, usually someone calls and says, oh, there's a snake in the, the dingo yard or whatever. Can you come and get it? Um, which is fine, or a visitor sees one or whatever. But this time I was just doing something completely unrelated and just out of the corner of my eye I saw something near one of the dams. I'm like, oh, it's a huge brown snake. Sweet. So I count that. <laughs> <laughs> that one counts, yeah. <laughs> it was it was it was herped at work. <laughs> Wasn't yeah. purposely behind glass, so you're right. That's it. No. No, and someone didn't tell me where it was. It was that's, yeah, that, that, that's why snake call-outs don't count. <laughs> <laughs> but they count if you want them to count. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> make, up, make up your own rules. Um, that's it. Yeah, what else? Um, yeah, so local, yeah. Local herping, yeah, it's been a bit. Um, I don't know how everyone else is finding it, but it's been pretty cool down here. Yeah, um, daytime. I did, I did see a few day- people post some stuff when I got a bit warmer, but it's kind of slowed down a bit recently. Yeah, yep, yeah. There was those couple of warmish nights um, yeah. a couple of weeks ago. Um, it's obviously a bit. It's a few degrees cooler in the mountains at the coast tends to hold the temps a bit better yeah um not to say that there's things not moving up here they they definitely are in the day but at night they might be and i'm just missing them but it's been very quiet up here um i was saying to mark today actually or yesterday when um when i'm looking at the weather and you know between say 7 p.m. when it's starting to get dark and 9 p.m. If, if it says 20 degrees, I'm like, ooh, maybe I should go out. It's uh, <laughs> it's really warming up, yeah. <laughs> which is uh, it's a bit sad. But, uh, yeah, it's warm enough for things to be out. There's no doubt about it. It's just, yeah, you, your, your chances certainly go down. Okay. Oh, we've had a few good days and, you know, what was it yesterday? Yeah. Yesterday got to 29 where I was. Yeah. Yeah, you've had some adder during the daytime adder. That's um, yeah. That's always good. Yeah. Got very lucky with that one. I keep checking the spot where I found it too because the the other fellow there, he saw, saw a bigger one there as well, so I reckon it might – Hopefully, be in that sort of region that they they hang around a fair bit. So, yeah, just keep poking my head back there every every first smoker I go to. It's not a bad strategy. It's also um, with um, animals what you call superstitious behaviour. Mm. <laughs> Something happens in a spot, and you remember it, and you you check it, 
Um, it's a survival mechanism. Had a near miss with a predator here. I'm going to avoid that or watch that area all the time now. Very true. But it's a Very good strategy true. for good strategy for us. Um, it's obviously a lot of the time there could be a shelter, a shelter site, a refuge site nearby. So, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Especially some things like Browns appeared certainly based on some papers, like some of Rick Shine's papers and um, people's observations. They're very burrow sort of based critter. So, yeah, that's what I'm kind of hoping I can figure out where a shelter site is and try and do some observations that way. They're one of those species that's a bit overlooked because they they are quite common in suburbia. Um, mm-hmm. But most people's interactions with them are having them removed from their property. Yeah, negative. Yeah, yeah. But they're a seriously cool snake, highly variable and big too. Yeah. Hey, we don't really get too many of them over this way, to be honest. Yeah, they certainly seem to be thickest in Western Sydney in the in the sort of flat country, in the grassy country. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's the same in the mountains. They're definitely around and they're, they're in some of the really sandy heath country. That's where a lot of records and sort of observations and anecdotes are from. Um, but, yeah, it's quite different habitat. Mm. Perhaps it just doesn't support the the same numbers that it does down on the on the plains. Yeah. Oh, you'll get it one day. Yeah. It's oh, just you a matter need of putting the, in the hours. Yeah, you need these things to um, to work on. <laughs> hmm. So, what are you looking for up next week or this weekend? Crucifix uh, anything frog and everything. It. Yeah, mm. crucifix frog. I'd like to tick off Williams though. Um, I'd like to get a better look at a sand monitor. Just because yep. I haven't had. I've saw a bunch in the NT, but you know, as soon as you see them, they take off. So yep. that's not that's not much fun. Um, yeah. Yeah, basically anything and everything. To be honest, I know that there's probably. I think it's like 30-odd species or something in the sort of vicinity that we're going to of random bits and pieces. So just try you to take off as much, much as you can. Yeah, you shouldn't have too much trouble with that stuff. Yeah. Um, but that's that's how it is. You've got to have your targets and and uh, see what happens. Yeah. I mean, I'm just aim, not, like keen to get out. That's, that. that's my minus thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's tough. Yeah. Uh, well, Williams Eye is definitely one of my best ones to to target. I'd like to see quite a few of those if possible, if I can be greedy. Mm. I never get super right. drops. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We um actually we did get um McMill and I in the in the Kimberley. That was good. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, they're like a bit of a. I guess they're kind of a phasmity 
looking sort of gecko. Yeah. Uh, one of those striped Spinifex dwellers. And some of the cool Ciliaris as well. Oh, nice. Um, they're they're aberrants cool. up there, aren't they? I think so. Uh, yeah. yeah. Oh, that'd be wicked. All righty. Well, yeah, I mean, thanks so much for coming on again, Cam. Um, no worries, yeah, man. Unreal. Fellas. We, we might wrap it's it up here. I'm going to go herping now. <laughs> <laughs> might get the frog out of our on the weekend, eh? Yeah. That's the final the final message for the herpers. Um, get out there and herp, do your thing, uh, and just chuck some recordings when you're out there. doesn't matter if it's crinia, whatever. It can be anything. Yeah. Oh, I'm excited too. I'm excited to do that in a new place. So hopefully yeah, I'll be able to contribute cool. this weekend. Alrighty, mate. Well, thanks Excellent. so much for coming on and uh, having a chat have, to us. Thank you for having me and talking about Frog ID and, well, Frog ID Week. Very good of you to organise that on very short notice. Oh, more than welcome, mate. Oh, no, good, mate. Um, and for anybody that hasn't, make sure you go and follow Cam over at Cam Candy Wildlife on Instagram as well because you popping up heaps of awesome photos from his Kimberley trip and stuff up there as well as all sorts of other wildlife pics. Um, so definitely, definitely worth a follow there. Alrighty, guys, we'd like to say a massive thank you to Eric and Owen and the rest of the MPI crew for having us. If you'd like to contact them, it's best to find them at moreliapythonradio.com and email them at Morelia, uh, info at moreliapythonradio.com. Make sure to follow the MPI network on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. As far as contacting us on our social media platforms, you can email us at australianherptoculture at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram as well. Make sure to check out our Teespring store for podcast merch. We've got the link on the Facebook page. To, make, to see more of what Jason is doing, make sure to follow him on Facebook and Instagram at The Gecko Effect. And for myself, you can find me on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, at Patreon, and Teespring under Beach of Scaly Beasts. We're happy to be back next week for another episode of the Australian Herptoculture Podcast. Good night, everyone. Good night.